the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre recorded. Who voted for these people? Becky White got enough votes up there in Vermont to become a state senator. And she thinks it's perfectly okay to have a six-foot-two-inch boy playing center for a high school girls' basketball team. And that got her enough votes for this. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Middle Vermont Christian School's uh, girls' basketball team refused to play against Long Trail High School's team when it showed up for a game. Because the Long Trail team had a six foot two boy dressed as a girl playing on it. And they forfeited the game rather than play against them. And then the Vermont Principals Association decided to prevent all of Middle Vermont's, uh, all, all of Middle Vermont's Christians' teams from competing. And then she went on CNN where she was happy to say she's perfectly okay with it and then give a ridiculously stupid reason. I don't think it's a bridge too far. The athletes that we're talking about are unlikely to go on to some of the elite professional athletics. But that concept of discriminating against another young person, it causes long-term outcomes for trans youth because they're hearing rhetoric that is telling them that they're not valuable, that in fact they're dangerous. We're an inclusive state, we're a welcoming state. So it doesn't surprise me that we've had a situation where folks are pushing back against some of that inclusive work that we've done because it is innovative, it is bold, and it's important. Yeah, so if you have a 12 and under baseball team, for example, and an opponent shows up with a kid who's 16 years old, he wants to pitch. Don't worry about it. Stop whining. It's not like any of these kids are going to go to the big leagues. Just let him pitch. You don't want to hurt his feelings. And, you know, the case of this kid is his six foot two boy who wants to play. He, you, you, you got to leave him alone. I mean, you don't want to hurt his feelings. Forget about the girls, the, uh, how many girls they had on the, the middle Vermont team. They don't matter. Their feelings don't matter. We got to, we got to be concerned about the mentally ill person that we're encouraging to be mentally ill. We've got to take care of him. So um, anyway, it was a moronic statement to say that these kids aren't going to the pros. Uh, but what it did do, uh, it got Senator Becky White of Vermont enough votes to become this week's winner of the AM 1250 The Answer Jerk of the Week Award. Yes, and when we come back, what's up with TikTok? Big hearing on uh, in the House yesterday. We'll talk about where TikTok is now, what's going to happen to TikTok, and why it should go away. And in our second half hour, how deciding to put baristas in charge of ending white supremacy, supremacy, I should say, has come back to haunt Starbucks. Stick around. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. The word is out. 
People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data, you can get that and still save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys, but at half the price. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code half off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code half off. Switch to Pure Talk and get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month because Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. My son Finn was born with congenital heart disease. He ended up spending about the first 8 months of his life in the hospital. During that time, he endured 10 surgeries, including an open heart surgery. Starlight Children's Foundation has played an important role in my family's life. For 5 weeks when he was a baby, Finn lived in a Starlight Hero wagon. You could not understand the pure joy of having him go from a hospital bed into his favorite red wagon. Starlight doesn't just give items that hospitalized kids can use to keep themselves happy, but also memories, moments, and experiences which are so needed in times like these. They allow sick kids to just be kids for a little while. The support that Starlight provides to families like mine is an integral part to creating happiness at a time when there's very little to be found. Learn more about how Starlight Children's Foundation brightens the lives of sick kids by visiting starlight.org today. Did you know that the average price of a used car is up over 40% from just a year ago? The cost of living has gone up and the cost for auto repairs is rising as well. The car you have needs to last you longer than ever. So if your vehicle has less than 150,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire, or with no warranty coverage at all, you need to call CarShield at 800-523-8667. We've just announced a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle service plan to help save thousands of dollars on out-of-pocket expenses for future auto repairs. While the cost for new and used cars continue to go up, CarShield offers protection plans at an all-time low. Drivers who activate their plan today will also receive 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance, courtesy towing and emergency tire, battery, and key lockout service. Call 800-523-8667 today to save 20% on your plan. That's 800-523-8667. Keep your car protected. Call 800-523-8667. Again, 800-523-8667. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. It's not too often when you see Democrats and Republicans beating up on the same guy at a hearing, but there was at least some of that going on in the House yesterday when TikTok CEO Shu Chu showed up. There are people in both parties who'd like to ban TikTok in the United States. Jake Denton is a research associate in the uh, Tech Policy Center at the Heritage uh, Foundation, and he joins us now. Jake, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So how bipartisan was the questioning of Shu yesterday? about as bipartisan as we've had in quite some time. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of the Democrats are actually joining forces here with the Republicans and uh, really pushing for a ban on this thing. It kind of came out of nowhere. Senator Warner did a lot to uh, to push his party that direction. But uh, momentum's building here for a ban. Yeah, so most of Congress has decided that it's time to just ban it, right? I mean, uh, as opposed to they're normally big fans of controlling. But this is a ban. That's a that's a big step. Yeah, you know, I don't know if everyone is quite there yet, but a lot of the main figureheads are coming along and uh, headed that direction. I think on the left, they're a little more uh, motivated by maybe the eating disorders that it's pushing on young girls. Um, a lot is focused on also kind of just the the general um, kind of propaganda effort maybe from the CCP. But then on the right, we see very heavy focus on family-related issues and a lot of emphasis on the data security and national security front. Was anybody buying Shu's claim that he saw no evidence of China having access to the data? No, and I think, you know, a lot of people were insulted by the way that he came in and just pretended as though uh, this was a totally separate enterprise. We know because of the 2017 national intelligence law that was passed in China that they have to do anything the CCP asks. 
And so at the end of the day, you know, you can get up there and lie to Congress, but we know what's going on at TikTok, and it's not good. It's the national security threat. I, I don't know if this guy's a, an American citizen or not, if, if he, or if he's a uh, just American citizen of Chinese descent. Um, do you know? Uh, I'm not too familiar with his background, um, but I know he is based out of the United States now. Well, the reason I'm asking is because if he's testifying under oath, um, that's a problem for him if he's not telling the truth. Yeah, you know, uh, he was asked a question of whether or not he received prep from the ByteDance uh, legal team based out of China, and he refused to answer that question. Um, and I think that's an indication of, you know, where his loyalties lie. Um, you know, he was much more concerned, it seemed, with keeping face with uh, his overlords in China at ByteDance uh, rather than, you know, answering the questions of American lawmakers. Um, and, you know, that should tell you a lot. Well, he's a com- he's he's talking about a, a company that's controlled by communists. And if I mean, when did anybody think it was a good idea ever to believe a communist about anything? Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, we've seen them do this for years now. They tell us one thing and then they do something else. And so, yeah, it means a lot to have them come in and testify. But we can't believe anything he says. They're paying millions and millions of dollars to lobby um, and to use communications consultants to muddy the waters and confuse all of our lawmakers and avoid any real action. So, yeah, we can't believe him. Did Shu say anything yesterday that uh, could or should have uh, changed anybody's mind? Oh, not at all. I think, if anything, what it revealed is that unless we move forward with a full-scale wholesale ban on TikTok, you know, across uh, all markets, we are going to see this just continue to get worse. There was no indication that he has uh, the desire to improve the platform, change the code, um, really give any meaningful data security either. So, um, yeah, this this problem exists still, um, and there's no sign it's going to get better. How long did it take um, to get for TikTok to get to where it is today? How long well, you of know, the process? Was or- yeah, their origins came from a acquisition of Musically, a U.S. based company. Um, and so ByteDance really um, scaled up that operation and turned it into a, a much more refined product. Um, and what's really unique about their company is that they collect unbelievable amounts of data on the user. And it, it empowers that algorithm that everyone cites as the main reason they use the platform. Um, and so it took them a few years, but it just gets better exponentially every day. That's the scary part of this. It gets better at what? Uh, and it gets better at understanding the user, and it gets better mm-hmm. at generating its uh, kind of curated content, things that really resonate with the hearts and souls of our, our people here in the U.S. So um, this would be something that China, uh, they didn't kind of stumble upon it. It would seem that China went looking for something like this, and, and there was something available, and they pounced on it and then developed it to where it is today. I think it's fair to say that just about every single one of our foreign adversaries saw our lack of interest in meaningfully securing our app marketplace and our broader uh, technology environment. Uh, Across the board, we've neglected this entire sector, and we're prone to major operations from foreign adversaries. TikTok is just the beginning of a very long campaign we're going to have to launch here in the U.S. to meaningfully secure ourselves. And how dangerous... Is TikTok, I mean, obviously you think it's dangerous, but um, how much awareness is there among people who don't follow the story as closely as maybe you and I are following it right now for various reasons? Yeah, you truly can't overstate the danger because it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. You're inclined to welcome it into your phone, uh, to you know use it in your home, and you really don't understand what's going on because it's just presented as fun, playful content. The danger lies in the ones and zeros that are, you know, behind the app, in the code. Um, the things it does on the back end, not necessarily what you're consuming, but it's tracking you. It's pushing you all sorts of propaganda that maybe you think you uh, otherwise aren't objecting to, but it's brainwashing you. And that's the real danger. You, you're welcoming it rather than uh, having your guard up. Yeah, yeah. And that's my question. Uh, you and I, uh, I know that now because you're telling me that and the people who are listening to this radio show right now are hearing what you're saying but i guess what i'm wondering is how many parents out there among the 300 and whatever it is 30 million people in the united states how many of the parents uh of the kids who are using this are looking at this and thinking it's any problem at all any more than facebook or snapchat or 
Anything else that's been out there over the last 20 years or so? Yeah, I think across the board, parents are seeing the consequences of social media, but not don't necessarily attribute it to a given platform. Uh, for instance, the uh, eating disorder issue or the child suicide rate continues to rise. And we hear from parents all the time about their concerns on that front. Even, you know, close personal friends of mine who have kids um, ask me what they can do to protect against this. Um, and they don't realize, you know, where these ideas are coming from. But it's applications like TikTok that push short form content with very loaded, confusing messages onto the impressionable minds of children that that prompt this. And so um, I think it's important for parents to read between the lines here and trace back maybe the, the child's screen time um, and which applications they use most frequently. We're talking to Jake Denton. He's a research associate in the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation. Um so what you're describing there, is there some guy in, in China rubbing his hands together and you know, feeding stuff to TikTok that he knows is going to infect the minds of children in America? Or is it, I mean, how, how is it happening? Who's producing this yeah, stuff? So we really haven't been given a lot of transparency on the extent to which, uh, you know, Chinese government is involved in terms of the content curation. We know that Chinese state-affiliated media have a great deal of success on the platform, disproportionate to their American counterparts or other, um, you know, media operations across the world. Um, and they push all sorts of anti-American rhetoric uh, across the platform, um, and it performs incredibly well. And so I think at the end of the day, what we're seeing here is that it can be weaponized. We know it can be weaponized, and we're not doing anything to defend against it. And so our minds kind of have to go to the worst possible um, thing here and assume that it's much worse than what meets the eye because it's hidden behind the code. Yeah, that, that's, I guess what I'm trying to get at here is that um, the actual physical presence of the Chinese, are they doing this from over in China or do they have, are there people here like Xu uh, Chu who, who testified yesterday? Is, is, is there work being done here in the United States? Where's all this, this uh, evil that evil material coming from that these kids are seeing. Yeah, so what's really terrible about TikTok is we don't get a lot of information on these entities that are posting the videos. We have to just assume that what they describe themselves as right in their description and their bio is what they are. And so taking these uh, video platforms at face value and assuming there is uh, you know nothing misleading you is really the big issue. I think we have to to imagine that um, because TikTok is operating through ByteDance out of Beijing and, you know, they have so much success with their own uh, proprietary content um, that they're obviously coordinating uh, across China to push content into the West. There was a Congressman uh, Bowman yesterday. He, I think I saw him on CNN and he was he's talking about this and he said he called it nothing but just a red scare. And he said he's not saying that TikTok uh, doesn't need to be regulated or even banned, but he's saying you can't just focus on TikTok. And I guess what he was getting at is that there are American companies who are just as bad in many ways. Do you buy that argument at all? Oh, the American companies are also doing a, a great deal of very concerning things to our children um, and in terms of data collection as well, just across the board. But what's unique about the, the TikTok issue is its ability to capture the minds of our children. You know, it has the highest uh, screen time rate amongst all social media platforms for that critical kind of uh, zero through 18 demographic. And then if you look at, uh, you know, the types of content, it's particularly depraved. It doesn't exist on any other platform, what they're feeding our children um, at such high volumes. And so I think what Congressman Bowman is really uh, concerned about here is what Joe Biden's Commerce Secretary is con concerned about. If they ban TikTok, they don't think they'll ever win Gen Z votes again. And that's what this really all boils down to. They don't want to uh, offend their, their own pri primary demographic at this point for electoral purposes. Yeah, and does, is, is, here's my question. You know, we had, um, we had uh, FaceTime. We we then we had we had uh, well, there a lot there's been a lot lot of different variations of uh, platforms that have that kids have uh, MySpace is what I was thinking of then then there's Facebook and you know you know the progression of all those things um, what was it that TikTok uh, had that appealed to kids that seemed to at least this is in my for looking at it as an old guy who doesn't get involved in this stuff that much at all. Um, 
what got kids to think that TikTok was better than Snapchat, which was, which for a while was gigantic and now doesn't seem to be. Just like yes. Yeah. Uh, so what's going on in Silicon Valley and across the tech landscape internationally is a lot more than meets the eye. These applications, the way they're designed, are not act by accident, um, and they're not designed by marketing teams. They have clinical psychologists and a whole host of medical professionals that devote their entire day to figuring out how to keep people. Uh, attention, how to keep people's attention on the app. Um, and you know what TikTok has done is they focused heavily on how to keep children's attention on the app. So they make sure the videos are very short. Uh, they make sure that they're uh, very fun and playful. And they try and just overwhelm them with dopamine, essentially. That's what these videos provide the kid. And so naturally, they become addicted. And that's what TikTok has done uniquely. The pathway to addiction is accelerated due to that type of content. So if you see a 16-year-old kid staring at his phone while he's out to dinner with his parents, pretty good chance he's looking at TikTok? Uh, statistically speaking, at this point in time, that is probably a, uh, a very fair assumption. Yeah, and, and the parents have no clue. They're eating dinner. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah, that, yeah, true. And so how do you fix it? The, the, I, guess what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at here again is, that the government is is talking about banning it and or, um, I guess, uh, regulating it and or banning it. And what? Uh, how, where do you start? How do you do it? Yeah, so a lot of this stems back to our country's lack of digital literacy. Um, you know, a lot of parents at this point in time didn't grow up in the social media era, right? We're just approaching the first generation of parents who, you know, maybe had a, a Facebook account in high school. Um, but most of these uh, parents that are in charge of raising a kid never experienced these platforms and they don't know how to parent around them yet. And I think accepting um, that, you know, you maybe don't know everything about these platforms and seeking out more information, trying to learn about what your kid's up to on these platforms. is very important. Um, there should never be a time where your child has that device by themselves and is scrolling through an application like TikTok. You need to be monitoring what's going on there. And that's a daunting task, but it's the unfortunate reality we find ourselves in. Well, what would be the process? And we're talking to Jake Denton. He's a research associate in the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation. What would be the, the, the process that if it was determined yes, tomorrow that uh, TikTok must be banned, how, do, how, does it, how is it banned? How does it disappear? Yes, so there's a multitude of mechanisms to accomplish this. Um, you know, CFIUS, which is a multi-agency uh, task force that was designated by the Biden administration to launch an investigation, could come to that conclusion themselves, and it prompts President Biden to actually ban the application. But what we're pushing for at the Heritage Foundation is a type of legislation, um, you know, from Congress that would give Biden the ability uh, tomorrow, basically, to sign a piece of paper, and this thing vanishes. A lot of times, tech CEOs come to D.C. and tell them it's very complicated. You actually can't ban an app. But it's as simple as putting pen to paper, and, you know, the app stores are forced to delist it, and this thing vanishes overnight. Um, and so legislatively, I think that's our mechanism here that will put us in the best position to not only solve for TikTok, but future TikToks as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's something they could do in one day, and um, how, when, is, when, is, when are they going to have to face the free speech argument on this? And how are they going to get around well, at it? The end, yeah, uh, you know, so TikTok very uh, cleverly has pushed the free speech argument, right? Because they know we're vulnerable to that type of messaging. But I think what we need to take a step back and realize here, this isn't an issue of free speech. It's an issue of national security. TikTok is not necessarily a social media platform. It's a, it's a weapon that's at the disposal of the Chinese Communist Party. And while, you know, yes, you, people can post on there, they can uh, put memos on there, um, they can, you know, record themselves. That's not necessarily a social media platform by definition. It's a weapon that has social media platform characteristics. And so at the end of the day, they have to do what's right, and they have to ban this to protect us. i got 20 seconds, um, uh, Jake. If TikTok goes away, what replaces it, and how soon? There will be a multitude of new companies, but I think that YouTube, uh, you know, a Google product is probably the best position. Um, and that transition will happen overnight. You know, these people are addicted. They're going to find somewhere else to go, frankly. Yeah, it's a shame that maybe they could just get rid of their cell phone for six months and see what happens. Hey, um, I, pre- I support that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I appreciate it, Jake. Thanks for coming on.
Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay, that's Jake Denton, and he's at uh, the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. During a meeting with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, President Biden says the U.S.-Canada relationship is vital. One great thing, and I tell other world leaders I meet with when they ask about the geopolitical circumstance, well, I said, we're lucky. We have Canada to our north. Share these values. All the values are the same. The president and Trudeau set to announce an agreement that aims to stem the flow of asylum seekers at unofficial crossings on the country's border. The House passing a bill giving parents greater oversight of what is taught in public schools. Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy made the Parents' Bill of Rights Act a top priority. On Wall Street, it's been up and down. The Dow is now ahead 78 points, but the Nasdaq down 8. This is SRN News. People ask me sometimes, Lance, I'm worried about my finances and I feel bad because I shouldn't be worried, right? I realize that inflation is going to be eating up money. I've got to do something to get around this crazy stock market and Biden's spending spree. Gold has, since the beginning of time, been the resource that God's people have relied on. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, is what the prophet Haggai said during a time of great shaking. To protect your retirement, I recommend that you diversify your 401k or IRA right out of paper assets and into physical gold. And the best way to do that is with Gold IRA from the Birch Gold Group. I want you to text the words FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 and get a free info kit on Gold IRAs. There's no strings attached to this, so just text FAITH, F-A-I-T-H, to 989898 and see what I've discovered here about gold and its ability to stabilize your investment and create a storage of wealth for you in unsteady times. They up twelve fifty. The answer. It's easy and profitable to be kind to others when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Each day for 30 days, we'll post a new act of kindness that you can do for others. On April 17th, you could win $5,000, and a deserving organization will also receive $5,000 in your name. You can make a difference in others' lives when you enter the Kindness Challenge. Learn more now at TheAnswerPGH.com. Hey, John Steigerwald here for Johnny and Jesse Samick, my friends over at Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. When disaster strikes your home or business, demand the yellow van. Fire, water, or mold, Service Master's technicians are trained and equipped to get you back to normal fast. Even when dealing with insurance, you have a choice who repairs and cleans up the mess. Make sure you demand the yellow van. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Service master. Spring cleaning is upon us, but there's one meaningful box that you don't throw away when cleaning out your closet. It's the box filled with your family's important videotapes, film reels, and photos. Hi, I'm Adam Baselogger. And I'm Nick Mako. We started Legacy Box over a decade ago to help families organize and update their analog media to digital. Legacy Box is simple and easy. It works and is safe. Over a million families have trusted Legacy Box. And Legacy Box has been featured in Good Housekeeping, The Today Show, and Rachel Ray. Legacy Box is like magic, converting your shoebox of memories to the cloud or thumb drive, ready to watch and share. Declutter your closet by digitizing your media. Become more organized and accomplished, knowing your family's recorded past is safe forever. Take advantage of our spring cleaning sale going on now. It's the easiest task to check off your to-do list. For a limited time, you can get started for just $9 a tape. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 offer. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250. The Answer. Weather. Cloudy skies expected for tonight with rain and a thunderstorm mainly later. There can be flooding in low-lying and poor drainage areas. Tonight's low 42. Windy tomorrow with a couple of showers and a thunderstorm. We'll see considerable morning cloudiness. Then intervals of clouds and sun for the afternoon. Expect a high tomorrow of 65. As we look to Sunday, we'll wrap up the weekend with mostly sunny skies. The high 55. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer.
Well, if you work for a company uh, that's become a lot more, let's say, uh, community-minded in the last few years, some uh, would say maybe call it woke, um, you may be happy about it or you may not care about it, but what if you own a lot of stock in that company and maybe those changes were costing you as a stockholder money? That may be happening to Starbucks stockholders, and Scott Shepard is trying to do something about it. He's the director of the Free Enterprise Project at the Center for Public Policy Research. He joins us now. Scott, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, John. Good to talk to you today. So there, uh, there may not be a, a more woke company. At least I can't think of one that would uh, qualify as being more woke than Starbucks. So how has that wokeness affected stockholders? Well, I mean, uh, I don't think there's any question about the fact that it's hurt stockholders. Because if you think about it, uh, Starbucks was one of the earliest and wokest companies there was. You might remember um, that they, the, the, some employees in Philadelphia threw out some vagrants uh, who weren't customers, who weren't buying anything. And uh, Howard, uh, Howard Schultz's, the CEO's response to that was to shut down the whole the whole uh, American chain for, for half a day and to have a, a deep talk with his baristas about, about race relations. Cause he thought that those coffee servers were the right people to lead a national discussion about race. And that when we get bad burnt coffee, what we really want to do is be lectured about racial equity. And so, you know, they also supported black lives matters and supported defund the police and every stupid woke idea uh, Starbucks was behind it and supporting it with shareholder assets. But now that's turned around to bite them, uh, as, as we all could have predicted it would have. They've, they're having to shut stores in uh, San Francisco and Portland and Seattle and Washington, D.C., and other ones they've taken the, the, the tables out. So, I mean, they pride themselves on being this third place for everybody, but uh, they've taken the tables out because – um, the, the places have become so lawless. So everywhere that's followed their policy prescriptions, and they shouldn't have, they're a company, they shouldn't have policy prescriptions anyway, but everywhere that's, that, that followed their prescriptions, they've had to leave, which cost shareholders money, of course, because they were, they were previously profitable, profitable outlets. So, so uh, Starbucks is using shareholder money to decrease shareholder value. That violates its fiduciary duties, and it's just super dumb. Yeah, it's really dumb, and... It's it, it, it. I don't know. I had jobs that weren't involved in radio and TV before I got into radio and TV. And you worked for I know I worked for a supermarket, and I, I worked in a place you know like Starbucks. Um, and you just assumed that the boss would want you to throw bums out who were yeah. who were hanging in the you know in a booth and taking up space for people who might come in and you know spend some money. But is so. Uh, why would a, why wouldn't an employee consider it good business for his boss to do that? Well, that's right. That's I mean, the uh, the response, the overreaction in response to that stupid situation in Philadelphia um, was to make all bathrooms open to everybody. They turned Starbucks into America's public restroom, and so in the cities where that have followed defunding the police. Uh, have decriminalized uh, drug use. What you've got is people using those bathrooms as convenient little places to shoot up. And so um, drug paraphernalia is left used. Syringes are left. These baristas are are putting their their health at risk, having to clean up after these people. They're, they haven't been permitted to tell them to, to take a hike. And so that makes genuine customers not comfortable in those stores. So you're exactly right. Of course, they should, that was the the employees behaved properly. It was the management that behaved insanely, and now they're uh, they're they're uh, reaping the consequences. And uh, I saw in your uh, in the report at the uh, at the project um, at, at the uh, the enterprise project there or at the public policy center. Um, I saw Eric Holder's name pop up. Oh yeah, so. Eric Holder is now at Covington and Burling, one of the big white shoe law firms in Washington. And he's got, uh, you might as well call it a woke equity department at Covington. And he's uh, uh, advising lots and lots of companies that discriminating on the basis of race and ethnicity is A-OK, despite the fact that the Fourth, 14th Amendment and a whole codex of civil rights laws um, makes that illegal. You can't discriminate against anybody, even if you label them diverse 
or, or, or you can't discriminate against people even if you label them non-diverse. And so uh, Holder, in his very partisan, ridiculous, Obama-esque way, is advising these companies that it's okay to break the law. And so in addition to our actions at the shareholder meeting last week, calling on Starbucks to change its dumb policies, um, we also uh, are suing the executives and directors of Starbucks because they've got a system in place at Starbucks. So they discriminate uh, on the basis of race. They discriminate on the basis of ethnicity. They pay uh, executives more if they hit racial quotas. That's illegal. And so we're suing the directors to take money out of their personal pockets rather than to take money away from shareholders. And you're suing on behalf of shareholders? That's right. Yeah. yeah the, any uh, any uh, award we get would go back to the company out of the share out of the executives pockets. But it goes back to the shareholders. And and how does how do they do they see any money out of this, or is it just because maybe their well, no, stock it, will go up? It would just be a payment, right? It would be a payment from the executives back to the corporations and increase the stock value. Um, and um, so Starbucks decided that it would be a good idea to use a barista to educate <laughs> customers about white supremacy. That's pretty much the bottom line. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what you want, isn't it? With your cup of gross burnt, I hate Starbucks coffee, but gross burnt coffee, you want a lecture from a tween with a nose ring. <laughs> well, I don't drink coffee, uh, so I have. I may be the only person in uh, over the age of, I don't know, 18 in North America who has never spent a nickel in Starbucks in my life. So I don't care what they do, yeah. but when I found out they were doing this, then if it was ever any chance that I was going to ever start drinking coffee, it wasn't going to be at Starbucks. Um, <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But um, uh, what was the third place policy? How did that work out? Yeah. Well, that was, so that was, you know, everything that, that Starbucks executives do is all preening and self-congratulatory. Well, they said that we all need a third place other than work at home to meet and gather and be ourselves. And so, uh, it wasn't a, a real third place unless everybody could come to it, regardless of whether they bought any coffee. And so, you know, it, they made it. Uh, uh, they made their their outlets the um, the uh, uh, meeting place for people who didn't have anywhere to go and didn't want to buy any coffee. And of course, it's backfired. It's one of the dumbest plans anybody's ever heard, and it's the sort of thing that a charity might do until they realized it didn't work for them either. But that no uh, publicly traded company has any legal business doing. This is obviously ridiculous, and you are filing a lawsuit, but what's your, what's your take on or how, how do you measure the actual amount of distress or annoyance that exists among the stockholders? How aware are they of this, and is, that, is, that like a, is there a movement within the stockholders, or, or is this something that, you know, you guys jumped on and then maybe some stockholders came on board? Yeah, I mean, we uh, part of what we do at the Free Enterprise Project is this kind of shareholder activism. And we're teaming up with public interest law firms to bring lawsuits because the activism itself, some of these companies are so captured by woke thinking that just activism itself doesn't doesn't do it and so we need the the short sharp shock of a lawsuit um and hopefully some some victories in these lawsuits to to change behavior um but yeah it's we we're we're the activists and we we build coalitions of uh coalitions of the the willing and paying attention but would you say that this is something that and i don't know how many stockholders starbucks has i don't even know i don't know anything about their stock its value or what it's done in the last year five years, whatever, uh, do you just get the feeling that there are a lot of people mad about this? Has it gotten to the point, I guess, I'm asking, is where it's become obvious that the stock is going down and this is one of the reasons for it? Well, I think I think that, that uh, the general public is, and the average stockholder really has realized this. The problem that we have is that so many of these, so much of these companies uh, or people who own stock own it through ETFs, and so they own fractional shares. And in recent years, the the, the BlackRock and State Street, two of the, the biggest investment houses, have been taken over by woke executives. And so they use other the the money entrusted with them, uh, the money invested by them. They use the power of that money 
to force their personal policy preferences on other corporations, and those personal policy preferences are uniformly hard left. Mm-hmm. And so part of what we have to do for individual shareholders is to break the power of this oligopoly of investment houses to use other people's money to to do the will of chief executives' personal policy preferences, Larry Fink at BlackRock and Ron O'Hanley at State Street. So, um, uh, and you say that, and we're talking, by the way, with uh, Scott Shepard. He's with the um, Center for Public Policy Research, and he's the director of the Free Enterprise Project there. You say you you're a, you call yourself an activist in this. Um, how widespread is this? I mean, how many? I, I mean, you don't you don't have to look around too much to know that there's a lot of wokeness going on out there. But how widespread is the knowledge uh, of this wokeness really hurting businesses and and people noticing it. Yeah, it's um, uh, it's people are are paying a lot more attention after the riot summer of 2020 when companies started embracing equity in particular. What equity means is discrimination now against men, against straight people, against white people to make up for other discrimination by other people against other people in the past in illegal ways. And that really captured people's attention, you know, to try to be less white at Coca-Cola and all of that. And uh, we've discovered um, in the intervening period that the, this, the, the overt discrimination at Starbucks, it's not just Starbucks. It's also Citibank and McDonald's and Pfizer, of course, because any, any uh, threat of evil will run back to Pfizer at some point. And Bank of America, just all sorts of, of overt discrimination at all sorts of corporations. And we're, we're fighting against that now by both activism and lawsuits, and we expect to have more lawsuits in the coming year. Um, I, I don't know where, exactly where I saw it. I just saw it today. Um, that their BLM, Black Lives Matter, uh, companies gave them three billion dollars. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. And, uh, and did you the, see the that story? Executives of BLM got quite a lot of mansions. Yeah, but but what what I'm getting to is that it. Get, I saw the checklist. I should have saved it for, for this discussion. I forgot about it. But um, it was it's three billion dollars raised, and it went down. The, uh, and it has, there's a list of the millions and millions of dollars spent by all these companies just given to Black Lives Matter. And yep. that's stockholders' well, I mean, money, too, that, isn't it? I mean, that's... But, well, that's exactly right. And think about uh, the Silicon Valley Bank. It committed $5 billion to political schedule decarbonization, which is insane, and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to discriminating in, in the name of equity. And it was bragged about there were the the wokists were in tears when it was shut down because they said yeah, it was it was one of the the most progressive places in the world. They really meant their their progressivism. Yeah, they spent billions of dollars that now taxpayers are going to have to um, to pay back. We ought to be suing those executives. The, the the United States of America ought to be suing those executives into poverty to get as much of that back out of their personal pockets because it violates fiduciary duty to to um, spend shareholder or depositor assets in political rather than objective ways. And sure as heck, they've uh, that's what they were doing, and they ought to be the, the for every penny ought to come out of them before the taxpayers are on the hook for anything. And um, so you did a proposal to the to the uh, Starbucks stockholders recently, uh, I guess, uh, on a virtual meeting that you had. How was it received? Um, uh, well, the meetings are all virtual now and very uh, structured. So, it, you know, it's not like we can get live feedback. I don't know what the final vote total is. Very seldom do these uh, shareholder proposals pass. And certainly conservative ones, because the as I was saying, the big guys at BlackRock and State Street oppose um, anything sensible because they're 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 all in on woke. But what what happens with them is that it gains uh, public attention. It makes people aware of what what the evils at Starbucks is up to, and in many cases sets up future lawsuits because the executives have have been publicly told and can't deny it where their duty lies and what uh, and exposes what they're up to. So if people want to sue um, for breach of fiduciary duty or so on down the road, it helps to set up those claims. So um, these policies that you're mentioning that, that uh, 
caused this whole process that you're talking about, the uh, the third place and all that stuff, um, they all sound like policies created by people who never worked at a Starbucks. That's just a wild guess on my part. <laughs> That's exactly right. Nobody was asking the average barista. Yeah. Um, so you want a lot of you want to clean up a lot of uh, mess needles. That sound good to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but but that's what that, that's what happens with a lot of these things that people have come up with a policy. Forget thinking about the stockholders. That's one thing. But you don't think you you assume that the the, the barista who's working there for twenty bucks an hour, if he's getting that much. Um, is uh, going to be okay with it because he's so woke. It's just an assumption that you know your wokeness is one hundred percent right and justified, and therefore foisting it on your employees. Then they're not going to be upset about that, right? Well, I mean, uh, we see that all the time too. It's, uh, it's companies have have uh, sort of performatively embraced what they are pleased to call stakeholder capitalism. We're doing things for the good of all stakeholders, not just shareholders. But what they do is they pick out the scare quotes stakeholders who already agree with their preset personal policy preferences and say, well, those stakeholders are making us do it, and it's driving them into ruin. Look at, look at Disney. I mean, Disney uh, sock-puppeted its wokester uh, constituencies to hire Kathleen Kennedy and the woman at Marvel who was just fired. And I guess Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy is going to be thrown out. Uh, she's, she's the one who ruined star Wars. Uh, uh, they're going to be, she's going to be thrown out this summer because following the wokesters ends up, you know, it, it really is coming true, especially for media companies get woke, go broke. And so, I mean, that, uh, that's another place where the executives ought to have to pay every last penny. Yeah. to shareholders because of the way they mismanage that company. And you wonder how long it's going to take them to catch on. Hey, uh, Scott, I appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, uh, good work there. I hope it uh, does some good over there at Starbucks. Not that it was going to matter All to right. me. Thank I'm you not, so much, John. I'm not drinking their coffee, so they can do whatever uh, they want. Yeah, yeah, stay away from that. It's gross. <laughs> <All right>. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, that's Scott Shepard of the uh, Center for Public Policy Research. We'll be right back. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. Dennis Prager here. Sue and I mean it. Dogs are part of our family. We love Otto and Snoopy so much, there's nothing quite like their loyal companionship. So we provide them with rough greens. In fact, I just talked to my wife about it because we want them to be healthy and we want them to be with us as long as possible. That's true. I know Sebastian Gorka feels the same way. The Pragers and I couldn't agree more. Our pups, Killian and Leia, rely on us to provide what's best for them. And naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black has packed rough greens full of vitamins minerals, digestive enzymes, omega oils, and more that supplement their food in a way that has shown us great results. Trying out Rough Greens is an easy yes, recommended by me, Dr. G. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black here, and I'm so proud that the Pragers and Sebastian Gorka have entrusted their dog's health to Rough Greens. I'm so confident that Rough Greens can help your dog, I'm offering you a free Jumpstart trial bag. Just cover the shipping. Yes, your dog's food is dead food, but you can bring it back to life with Rough Greens. Go to RUFFGreens.com. The word is out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data... 
You can get that and still save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys, but at half the price. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code half off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code half off. Switch to Pure Talk and get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for just $30 a month because Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, here's your assignment for the weekend find out where John Fetterman is. Now, I think we know where he is, but I guess the question is when's he coming out? Um, he has was admitted to the he actually admitted himself to Walter Reed back. Uh, it's been quite a while now. I don't know how exactly how long, but it's been a, a mo- about a month, I guess. And uh, I, as far as I know, he's still a United States senator, hoping he his health you know improves. I hope he makes a full recovery. I don't know anybody who wouldn't hope that it happens, but if it's not going to happen soon, I don't know. Maybe it's me, but I think you know. They should get somebody else to do the job. And here's the thing. From what I understand, uh, the the deal is to try to keep him in some semblance of uh, – in some, in some uh, form of, uh, I don't know, viability, if that's the word, that he actually looks like and acts like he can actually be a senator where they can fake it enough that he can get by until August. Because if he makes it through August – there doesn't have to be a uh, a special election. Some uh, he they, they the the Democrats will keep the seat. So I don't know. Haven't heard much about John Fetterman, but somebody brought it up today. Whatever happened to that guy? And uh, how come he's still in the hospital? And if he is still in the hospital, how come he doesn't quit? Why doesn't he quit? I don't know. Maybe we find out. But if you find out over the weekend what he's up to. Let me know. I'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.